and find the people who inspire you and and be part of that you know try and pick up those things if you love the way that someone walks into a room try and walk into a room like that see how it feels you know until it feels right for you and you know as a girl who wasn't allowed to dream big here i am sitting with all of you and i'm blessed to have amazing people in my life And I've also had role models where there's not a cat in hell's chance I'm going to be like them. <laughs> so they're also great to have as well. You know, have those role models that you don't want to be like is important. Yeah. Okay, hi everybody, you met me this morning. I'm Jill and I'm the principal here at Blackpool 6. Hi everyone, my name is Duros and I'm the owner of Potbound. My name's Julie and I'm from a marketing agency on the field called ICG. My name's Paula, I'm a local politician, a, a Labour councillor for Clifton Ward. Hi, my name's also Paula and I own Coastal Radio, the new local radio station for the Fylde Coast. Hi, my name is Chef Seema Dalvi and I'm the owner of two restaurants in Wire and Fylde Coast called Dalvi's. <coughs> Hi everyone, I'm Jane Cole and I'm the Managing Director for Blackpool Transport. Hi everyone, I think my introduction was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still Ali Black and I'm currently still the Governor of Bacon Prison. Hopefully I will be by the end of the day. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tierna and I just want to welcome everyone on behalf of our group from Ireland. So today we're going to be in a Q&A and if any of the audience want to get involved, we will have microphones here for you so you can just share your opinion and stuff like that there. So I want to... Hi, is, um, my name is Orla and my question's for Izzy, Jill and Julie. So if someone said that you're their role model, what would you think they might mean? Okay, um... So I think probably when somebody thinks of a role model, it's somebody they look up to. Um, I'm always surprised when people uh, think that I'm a role model because I think all of us sat here, just like all of you, are just very humble people who just come to work and do a job. I think probably people would uh, think that I'm a role model because of the job I do. I think they would see me as successful because I'm uh, the principal of a college. Uh, but actually I measure my success on... Uh, all my other qualities and I hope people do too um, so that's what I think people would say about a role model because I'm the principal of a college what I will share with you though is you might think as a principal that you uh, probably were the top in your class when you were at school you were the one who did the best uh, I was probably below average average at best when I was at school uh, but I've just worked hard and uh, just worked through my career started just part-time and just worked worked hard um, and I think if somebody wanted me to be a role model for anything, I think it would be for being kind to other people and looking out for other people as well. I know I work for a marketing agency and we have one or two um, young, uh, young women coming through, um, certainly working with us on social media. And I think one of the things I sort of do try and do is, is try and help them because um, I just know when I was in their shoes and when I was 20... 22 I, I really didn't quite know what to do or how to go about it um, so when I see these young women coming through and looking um, a little bit lost or a little bit unsure is to just sort of try and help and, and guide them because I just I just know having a good role model in your life whoever they are um, 
is is so helpful and it, and it really can sort of catapult you along in your career so yes try and inspire others really and try and show them that it, it can be done um, and a, bit, a little bit like what Jill was saying I wasn't top of my class at school by any stretch of the imagination but, but I did work hard um, and sometimes it's just having that self-belief and just sort of keep motoring on. Um, so I'm next, if uh, it's okay. I think if someone said that I was a role model, I'm only 21, so that would be wild to me. Um, I think the thing that maybe people would find inspiring is have a lot of blind confidence, and I would recommend to any young woman, just be delusionally confident in yourself, because no one can deny it. I think believing in yourself is the best thing that you can do. I started my business... When I was 19, I didn't want to go to university. Lockdown had just started. You know, we were literally in the middle of a lockdown. No one was allowed to leave their houses. And I was like, I'm going to start a shop and be an artist. And, the, and everyone was like, that is crazy. But I was delusionally confident in myself. And I think the most inspiring people are people who just believe in themselves. No matter what that is, whether you want to be a principal or a business owner or start your own radio station or be an artist... The most important thing is to believe in you because when things get really tough, which things get really tough a lot when you're out in life, you have to have that belief of like, I'll be all right, I'll sort myself out. So I think if you thought that I was a role model, I would hope that it would be the confidence to do the things that make you happy, even if everyone else around you is like, you're a bit mad actually. So I noticed our interviews were like answering the questions that you were able to say you know, positive things about yourself on why people might think this. But how do you think that we can get women to feel more confident to talk positively about themselves? I think it's, I mean, it's really difficult to be confident and it is one of those things that, you know, people say fake it till you make it and it is really true. Um, I'm not actually the kind of person who, who does just think that I'm the best thing ever. It, it takes a lot of work. Um, but I think surrounding yourself with other women as well is so important. Like, those are the people that pick you up when you're falling down. And especially for me, I find being around people who've been in the business a long time to go to them and sort of say here's my problem here's the thing I'm struggling with there's always someone who's been through it there's always someone who's who's figured it out so try and not when you're looking for confidence it isn't always about being on the inside it isn't always about saying this is all about me but sometimes the most confident thing is to say I don't know what I'm doing and actually I need someone else to give me a helping hand so connecting with the people around you connecting with your friends, connecting with people who you find inspiring is where you find your own self-confidence because then you look at people who are absolutely killing it and you think, yeah, I want to be like that. I want to take some of that energy with me. So try and find the people who inspire you and, and be part of that. You know, Try and pick up those things. If you love the way that someone walks into a room, try and walk into a room like that. See how it feels you know, until it feels right for you. I, I think one of the big things is and I was talking about this in the workshop, is to kind of go out of your comfort zone. And that is such a hard thing to do. You know, oh, I'm going to fall flat on my face. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. And actually, if you just oh, make that brave step um, to do something that you're not comfortable with, you know what? And then when you do it, and maybe it's not as bad as you thought, I think is, is one of the big things. It's not as bad as you thought. And the more you do it, actually, the more that becomes your comfortable zone. And then you might think of, well, what's the next stage to push on and get out of that comfort zone? And that builds confidence. And I'll just build on both of those, really. Um, I think one thing you've got to have is self-worth and self-love. 
And, and one thing I've always done for, for me to build my confidence is, I suppose, give myself a pat on the back when something's, when I've done something well, um, just to, you know, re reassure me. So sometimes I, I can be driving home from work and I can think, gosh, I wasn't looking forward to such a meeting, but I actually didn't go so bad. It was okay, actually. And I think by doing that, you give yourself, you know, you do build your confidence. And I totally agree with uh, what's just been said, you know, about taking things from other people as well and believing in yourself. How many of us put things off because we think we can't do it? And then, just as you say, once you've done it, it's like a massive hurdle you've, uh, you've overcome. So don't give up. I think all of us probably in this room suffer from imposter syndrome. I still do that now, you know, at 57. Um, one thing I would say is I wish somebody had been running such an event like this when I was your age, and I could have listened to people like these wonderful people here. Uh, because if we could all look back, us on this panel certainly, many in the room, and think if we knew now, uh, sorry, then what we know now, we'd have stopped worrying about lots of things that we worry about in life, you know. So really believe in yourself is what I would say. These are for, uh, this question's for Paula, Seema, and the other Paula. Um, could you share an experience, your experience as a woman in your particular area of work? Local politics. Um, for me... I absolutely love it and I became involved in local politics because I got tired of shouting at the TV basically and I thought <laughs> get out there and do something about it, this fairness and this inequality. So um, just finding my tribe in local politics and um, within a very short time I found myself um, appointed to Deputy Mayor of Blackpool, which I would have never have thought I would do. I never have thought I would get there. And it was one of the biggest privileges of my life. And I will always remember that. So two years, and I thank Councillor Amy Cross for the chance for that. She's sitting there. And we worked together for two years as ambassadors of this wonderful, wonderful town. And, um, yeah, it's just absolutely one of the moments of my life so there you go anybody who's going into politics i'll see you at the back there <laughs> it could be you know it could be you okay i grew up in mumbai um one of the cities in india i grew up in a family where a girl wasn't allowed to dream big i said to my dad i want to be a chef my dad said you'll get married look after your kids and that's it but i think my husband is sitting there. Without him, I could have not achieved what I, what I have achieved now. I was a secondary maths teacher. Took a very bold decision at the age of 36. It's like, right, that's it. I'm going to be a chef. Don't, didn't know whether it was a good decision or bad, but unless and until you take those kind of decisions, you can never achieve what you dream of. Took that decision, and now I'm a proud award-winning chef in Lancashire. I didn't go to specialised catering schools or anything. And you know, that's a lot to me. Um, and I've got two restaurants, they have got two really good reputation. I've got my book out as well. And you know, as a girl who wasn't allowed to dream big, here I am sitting with all of you and I'm blessed to have amazing people in my life. So I think you need that kind of support as well you know, to achieve what you want to achieve and obviously your sheer passion. Okay, so um, my experience is I ran the local radio station for the Far Coast Radio Wave for 20 years and I loved every second of it. 
never thought I was going to go into the sales side of things when I was younger. Didn't do very well at school or college. I was very average, and then at college, I just started going out a lot more and not really concentrating. As you do. College, college was kind of a bit of a social. social. Yeah, you know. In fact, my school report all through school was if Paula did uh, paid as much effort and attention to her studies as she did her social life, she would go far. And so I kind of switched it around, and I made my social life my job. So I started, I'm a people person, that's where I've kind of grown and got into the shape of the person that I am now. Um, I love listening to people and talking to people and I like experiencing what they're going through and trying to help. Um, And so in sales you do do a lot of that because especially with Radio Wave you were going to see businesses, finding a solution to help market and push their business and I remember one client coming to me and saying, you know, thanks to the advertising we did with you, um, we've now got two more shops. So I know advertising works. I'm not one of those people that could just sell anything to anyone. I have to 100% believe in what I'm selling. Um, so 20 years down the line, I'd gone from a sales rep to uh, the managing director of Radio Wave. I troubleshooted at um, other stations over in Belfast, up in Scotland, over in Wales, in Swansea. Um, So I went all over the place, and I loved what I did. And then Bauer, who own Rock FM locally, they're a big organisation, they decided to buy Radio Wave because it was a small independent. And I was like, oh. And they were doing nothing local, so they didn't want anything to do with the local market. And I'd I'd taken 20 years making it super local. So it was like, this doesn't fit with me. I'm not going to go back to the same people that I've spoken to for 20 years and say... Oh, no, regional advertising is the way to go forward now. It's just not right. So I've had three years of, you know, trying other jobs that weren't quite for me. And then the, the license, license came up and I kind of thought, nah, I can't do that. I can't own a radio station, me. Not a chance. Paul, Paul from a council house in Fleetwood. Not happening. <laughs> um, and then so I did some figures and I thought, oh, I could, I could do this. And we're six months old on the 26th of March, you know, and don't get me wrong, I have not done it on my own, you know, I've had massive support, there's a lot of ladies in this room, we're talking about role models, Izzy, your mum is a role model of mine, you know, she always has been, she's been an amazing, and and you are as well, because I think what you've achieved so already is amazing, and I've been lucky, I've had role models in my life. I've had my mum worked hard, so that was she was a good role model to me. And in my jobs, I've had role models that I thought, I really want to be like them. And I've also had role models where there's not a cat in hell's chance I'm going to be like them. <laughs> so they're also great to have as well. You know, have those role models that you don't want to be like. Yeah. It's important yeah, it's because then you know what doesn't work. You talked a bit about um, hire, why you got into your chosen career. But um, just as a follow-up, could you talk a bit about... Um, if you could go back and talk to your younger self before your career, what piece of advice would you give them or what would you say? Really good piece of advice for myself. I was really good at school. I was top set, but a little bit uh, lacked motivation by the time I got to year 11 because of family problems and whatever. So wasn't really listening to uh, good advice. But at that time, um, I, if I was going to give myself some advice, it'd be like, get some really good advice before you 
make the decisions about college and beyond because I made some absolute howlers of decisions <laughs> <laughs> that set me back years and took a long time to correct. And had I really taken good advice at that point, then I think my young adulthood would have been a lot easier, a lot smoother, and establishing my career would have been a lot easier. But I just knocked myself off course because I didn't take good advice. So it's just really listen to good advice, even if it's not what you want to hear. Sometimes people know better than you and just be prepared to go with that. I think, obviously, I spoke a lot before, but for me, it would be do it sooner. I wish that I had started my own radio station years ago. I really do. Um, but they say everything happens for a reason, and I think the things that have happened over the last three years and the station closing has all been what set me on this track. So I would still like to do it sooner and just be confident and really you're not as fat as you think because that's what I always used to say as well <laughs> you know I'd love to be as fat as I was when I thought I was fat <laughs> I really would honestly I would love to be as fat as I thought so that would be my advice yeah my advice uh, will be I wish you know as Paula said I wish I would have done this 20 years ago but you lot are very lucky we didn't have this kind of things, and I wish we would have had these. The only advice I definitely will give to myself is master your excellence, success will come. Doesn't really matter. Don't run after success. Master your excellence, it will come. Um, so now we're going to ask the audience to get involved a wee bit. So this next question is for Jane and Ali. So have you ever not been taken seriously in your role? Um... Yes, so um, I I joined um, British Rail um, in 1979 and a lot of you young people here may not have heard of British Rail but that was the the, the government-owned company that used to run the railways and um, when I got my first managerial job in British Rail it was full of men who, who were operators and they just loved playing with things that had wheels on, that run on tracks and that um, delivered public transport not very often on time. And my job, my first managerial job, was a quality manager. And my job was to make sure that these, these operators um, started to look at customers for a change and started to look at some, you know, some performance indicators that showed that what they were doing actually delivered things on time and customers thought the product was good. Um, and that it should be designed in a better way so that more people would, would use um, public transport. And um, I was a quality manager. Um, I was only in my 20s, and um, I was um, a, a manager in my own right. Um, and I was the only female manager at that time um, that had ever worked on Preston Station with a big, diverse um, amount of men. And my job was to make sure that I facilitated workshops that showed how they were going to deliver this, this better improvement to British Rail. Unfortunately, they didn't like it. I was the last item on the agenda every time we went to a management meeting, and um, I wasn't taken seriously. And, you know, it was a difficult time for me because I had to make sure that this job was getting done properly and that we delivered our targets. So it just shows really that, you know, as, as a female, when you're in... in, in a, a, a huge group of people um, who don't want something 
um, you can find that very, very intimidating. I did eventually break through it. It was hard. It gave me sleepless nights. It made me, um, you know, feel um, unconfident. And I, asked, I had to ask for help um, to finally get there. But that was sort of like a major time in my life when if I was going to leave a job, that would have been it. But I didn't. I saw it through. And then the second time I can think about is more recently. And it was in Blackpool. And um, I'd been invited to uh, talk at an event um, with some retirees um, so there was gentlemen there with their, their wives and um, I thought because it's such a nice event I'd put a dress on and I was there on the stage talking about you know um, the tramway extension I was talking about how we run heritage and how we get dirty and filthy and you know it's all great fun and I was talking about the bus side and I was in the, the toilets during the break and um, I was in the cubicle there and these, these ladies who were of a certain age were outside saying Ooh, get her, look at her in a floaty dress. How the hell can she be responsible for something so important? So I just oh, thought, you oh. know, talk about being stereotyped. Please you know, tell in my... me you made yourself known to them. You know, you know, so when I put the two together and you think about the old operations world of men and this is how the railways were always run, and then you think about that generation and me, you know, sort of like lots of years later as a woman running a company like this, you know, and what they still thought um, about women in transport. Um, it's taken a long time um, for things to move on. So um, it probably won't surprise many of you. I've got absolutely tons of examples of not being <laughs> taken seriously. Um, as it stands, I'm the first female governor of Kirkham Prison. Um, so we've still got a long way to go. Um, I started as a prison officer um, at 21 and worked my way up through all of the ranks. Um, at 23, um, I was a senior officer and in charge of running um, a wing. Um, never had any issues, actually, with prisoners. Prisoners have always been um, quite decent and respectful and interested in your perspective. And my job's really to get people to do things that they don't want to do, um, and that's both staff and prisoners. Um, the times when I've not been taken seriously in the last two weeks <laughs> are um, we've had a group of international visitors, so we've had more than one, so I can say that without naming where they are. Um, and I was asked the same question five times in an hour, because for those of you that have been to the store, you'll have met my deputy governor, who's also female, so it's particularly unusual to have both of us been women and five times I was asked so how on earth can you run a man's prison you must have issues because of the fact you're a woman and I went no actually I don't have any issues because I'm a woman I have issues because I'm running a prison and a prison's tough to run and then I was asked it again and again and again and again and within the delegation there was a couple of um, female governors because um, they were only allowed to work in female prisons and they very quietly spoke to me at the end and said, we love the fact that you're doing what you do. And my question back to them was, um, tell me something that I can't do because I'm a woman and I'll show you how I do it. And that's how, that's how I, I live my life. Um, I met the parish council recently. They asked, um, they asked when the governor was going to arrive because they thought I was there to take notes. So I just <laughs> quietly sat there and waited until eventually realised it was me. I did wear my name badge so they could see that that's what I was there for. And interestingly, I also have a little bit of an after-dinner speech that um, I went to a Rotary Club um, event, not um, in this area, 
and I was the after-dinner speaker, and as I got there, they were very, very confused because um, they'd assumed that I was an Asian male called Ali, and this was... Um, this was a men-only event, and women were not allowed to join the organisation, and they weren't entirely sure whether or not they'd even admit me to be their after-dinner speaker. And eventually they had a whole discussion and allowed me to go in and obviously then told me that this was men-only and said, we think we'll probably let you speak for ten minutes. So I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I fell into a little bit of a female stereotype and I just spoke at them for an hour and a half non-stop. <laughs> wondering does any of the audience have any questions I'll just ask you down here um, oh. I've got a question for the coastal radio um, do you have any apprentices with people under 16 that are women we, well do you know I have I have apprentices so I've got it, it's not like Radio Wave was there is literally there's myself there's Jed and there's Luke our lovely Luke is here now <laughs> so we had um, work placements come to us and one of which is our Josh over there and unfortunately I can't get him to leave <laughs> he, um, he likes funny he likes to be around um, we've, do you know what we opened it up to apprentices we opened it up to university students we asked for T levels we haven't gone down just the apprentice role yet because we're only six months and I've had no women come to us so I'm surrounded by gentlemen and all, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Luke is worth his weight in gold. We couldn't have started the radio station without Luke. Um, and Josh is also worth his weight in gold. Don't worry, I'm not going to have a go at you. Um, although I find myself getting picked on constantly, but I think they know how far to push it. Uh, but I would love some girls to come forward. And uh, under 16, you can come and do your work placements with us. I'm not sure I can take you on. I don't, probably Tracy. Yeah, I can't take you on yet. But if you want to come and do a placement for a week or a couple of weeks, help out in the summit, you are more than welcome. Does anybody else have any questions? Yeah. This is for everyone, all of you at the front there. Um, who has inspired you the most and why? I was inspired by my nan. My nan was one of the best cook. She was the same. She wasn't allowed to dream big or anything. And she was the first one, you know. Then my mother-in-law, who is not with us anymore, but again, not very educated lady. She was only fifth grade, uh, I think, well, I would say year three or four, uh, she went to school and that was it. And she was another one. And I still feel that they are always with me. So yes, they inspired me. Yeah, I'm another one that my mum inspired me just because she was tough as old boots, my mum. She really is. Uh, and she fostered children. She had about 80 babies over the years fostering, so I always found her really inspiring. And my one of my first bosses, who was a female boss, uh, when I was at Blackpool Pleasure Beach, she was called Helen O'Neill. And she used to waltz in. Uh, she could speak French and you could smoke in the office back then. <laughs> and she'd walk in, glasses on, probably hungover because she'd been partying with celebrities or the local press or whatever. And she'd literally come in and go, coffee would be nice, Paula? Every morning I used to think, for goodness sake. But she absolutely inspired me because I thought when I grow up, I want to be Helen O'Neill. You know? And so, yeah, she, they're my, probably my main two. Yeah, to jump on the, the mum bandwagon, obviously Paula mentioned my mum, who is here, um, who was 
so inspiring for me to show me that so my mum is um works in the finance industry which is categorically very male driven lots of male ego around and my mum's thing was straight away like I'm going to bring a woman's touch to it I'm going to make people feel comfortable and I'm going to do things my way even if that doesn't look the same way so um was definitely inspired by her starting her two businesses which helped me have the confidence to be like yeah we can all do this so mums are great we can all agree I think on this panel (laughs) I'll, I'll jump in now and say uh, my mum was probably an inspiration as well, as was my dad actually, but uh, again, uh, same kind of things really. Mum uh, wasn't well educated, uh, but set up their own business. Uh, they ran a pub and restaurant and I just saw that hard work and commitment and believing in yourself and you can be successful Um, and that's what I've always done and more recently a role model which might sound a little bit strange really is my daughter Uh, we talked earlier we heard from Hannah who was talking about body image and my daughter when she was younger really struggled with body image and sadly succumbed to that dreadful disease uh, of anorexia Uh, and for a number of years she was unable to work Uh, she had really low self-esteem really not in a good place and she's 33 now she's got her own business she works full time she's really positive she's got a lovely little girl uh, and I couldn't be more proud of her so she's my role model for never giving up Um, and I'll go next and don't tell her (laughs) (laughs) so uh, my inspiration is 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 a man Um, that man is Richard Branson Um, I was very fortunate to um, go from British Rail straight into being a a regional director for uh, Virgin Trains. And, um, you know, what that man did for the rail industry, what he did for making um, the transport industry diverse, um, fun to work in, um, how he developed women, how he got us through the glass ceiling, how he encouraged us to um, develop um, into a holistic um, pattern of being able to do not just one thing was absolutely unbelievable. Um, so yeah, um, it, it was a man. It was Richard Branson, but he, he's he's just amazing at what he does for, for for people and not just women. It's not about being a feminist when you work in um, an organisation like Virgin. It's about having the right skills to do the right job and have the ability to be able to shine. And you know, it doesn't matter what sex you are, um, you, you you have the ability to do that within that organisation. I think, just to reiterate on that, I know several of my teachers were hugely inspirational, really. Going back to primary school, the first teacher who pushed me on to take part in a drama production, which I was carrying out and didn't want to get involved with, and he was like, Julie, come on, why don't you do this? And I was like, right, okay, and then I I loved it. Um, My history A-level teacher, he was brilliant, he was funny. Um, my first editor, Greg Morgan at the Lancaster Citizen, he pushed me out of my comfort zone and got me doing things. So a whole whole range of people, and, and, and you need those people in your life. So mine was a teacher. Don't tell my mum, because you'll be really disappointed that I've not said her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was a teacher who took the time to sit and ask me the question of where do you really want to be and what do you want in life? And when I answered... He said, but what more would you want? What else could you do? And actually, it just opened doors for me. I didn't come from a family background of um, any particular um, ambition 
or any expectations that I would ever get anywhere. Even now, like, you know, my family still say, you've done quite well, haven't you, considering you're one of us? Which <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure where that comes from. But, yeah, Mr Mills just having... And, and it was five minutes, it was nothing more than that. But he absolutely changed my life. And it's still a conversation I have with people to this day. It would have to be my family, my mum. And I'm not excluding my dad, but obviously... Well, not obviously, but it was a... Um, my mum and my uh, dad split up when I was very, very young because of domestic violence. So the fact that um, myself and all my siblings have grown up pretty sorted and been able to rise above that with the inspiration of my mum at the time, going back, because I'm much older than I look, so going back <laughs> into the late 60s, early 70s, my mum went to university at a time when women were only just being accepted in universities. And not only that, as a black woman, even less chance of being accepted into university, never mind Oxford. So I did have that um, aspiration. You know, I saw that actually, you know, even if the odds are stacked against you, you can still do what you want to you can still aspire, you can still have ambition, you can still do well. And my mum was a very, very hard worker. I mean, she worked so hard to bring all of us up, eight kids with hardly anything. And, you know, all of my siblings have done well for themselves in different areas and they inspire me every day. And all my extended family my nephews and nieces they all have this great work ethic they all work really hard they're all so different and you know they just inspire me and there's just such love within the family that is you know it's vital but we've come from a very difficult situation and overcome and continue to overcome because there are still you know, the, the differences. There are still the difficulties, the barriers and challenges to overcome. And for those, you know, for the people of colour in the audience, you know what I mean. You know, there are certain things that you're always going to face all your life, wherever you are, but you can overcome. And that's what my siblings and my mum have shown me, that you can. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to move on to the last question, and this is a one-word, just... For the whole panel, if you could make the world listen to the issues facing women or young women, how would you choose to do it? If you could make the world listen? Yeah, one word. In one word. I think I'll go first. It's time to sit up and listen. I think there's something about role model. Because I think if, if people can see what we can achieve, then actually that will help people understand. So I think we need to shout out and, and be proud of what we achieve, all of us. That's everybody in this room and beyond. Yeah. So I'm going to go um, a little bit different, and I'm thinking about bravery. And I think as women, we need to be brave and we need to be bold and we need to help each other. And I think as men, they need to stand alongside us and also be brave and bold because we can only achieve it all together. And not be afraid to do it our way, which maybe is not the way it's always been done in a more male-dominated way. We can bring different, a different approach, which works just as well, perhaps even better. I think mine would just follow your dreams. 
if you've got a passion for something and you really want to do it, do it. Yeah. If you fail, it doesn't matter. Just um, keep doing it. Yeah, and failure is a lesson. It is it? a lesson. Yeah, failure is a lesson. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'd say that you know, stop talking about equality. Stop talking yeah. about trying to make things equal for all the other people, because there are no other people. I think for me, it's a, about embracing each other. I think that a lot of times, you know, things like protests and and walking the streets and these things are so important. But sometimes change comes from your day to day life. You know, standing up for someone if you hear something going on on a bus, like saying something. You know, if if you hear something in a workplace that isn't right, saying something about it. Sometimes. The biggest changes come from the small things every single day and all of us sticking up for each other in small ways. It isn't always big banners and cheering, which is great and needed and, and has its own space. But I think to make real change, like all of these ladies I'm sure can adhere to, it's you wake up every single day and, and you you walk into that prison every single day and you have to face those things every single day so make sure that every day that you're waking up and you're going to sleep you've made the right choices make every day count everyone support you know support each other massively there's so much competition especially at your age instead of competing with each other embrace each other and absolutely stick up for your girlfriends because you need to I think just on what Paula was saying about embracing each other, by the way, the, one of the questions that we as panellists were sent was about, uh, as was asked, was about how we sort of face difficulties. I think that sometimes young women don't realise, like, you can choose to be around supportive women. You, if, if you don't want to battle, like, against all of, all of that patriarchal stuff, like, just find those women that make you feel good about yourself. You, you can create a life where you can be around amazing women all of the time and you have the capacity to choose who you're spending your time with so yeah definitely be around the people that make you feel good can i just just want to support that by saying please create your own brand you know there are no stereotypes in this world you know my granddaughter suffered terribly at school because she didn't fit in with a certain you know uh, group of people and that made her life hell she's the kindest most beautiful most intelligent person that i know and, and to me, you know, that was recognised by the people that love her. So don't let anybody try and stereotype you. Keep your own brand and keep your own values. And I'll add it to that because my daughter, uh, she had a bit of a bully issue as well where she was told on her colour, how she looks. You know, there's so much going on on social media as well. And that's where we supported her, me and my husband, you know, saying it doesn't really matter how you look. Yeah. Once you start loving yourself, like I'm not even putting makeup today, but who cares? I still look beautiful. You know, that kind of confidence. Gorgeous. You know, thank yes. you. <laughs> you know, so just seriously, don't care and just and have. Hate. Yeah, well, that's it. Gate in it. Have your friend group. And that's okay. Who are, who are with you? If, yes. if, if people don't like you, that's it. See you later. It's not, it's it's not easy. Friends. I know it's easy it's for not. us to say that. Yeah. Yeah. To say it's easy just be your own. But it is hard. It I is still hard. suffer. Someone said earlier with imposter syndrome. You know, and I know in myself that I've achieved a lot. I know that. But I still sometimes think, and you do, you do have imposter syndrome no matter how well you do. But you've just got to 
Keep going on it, keep working on it, believe in yourself and what you do. And I think accepting who you are, knowing that you're good enough, (laughs) and you absolutely are good enough, and that finding your tribe, supporting each other, you only need one person, and that one person can be you. I have a question for Paula, government Paula, and um, uh, present governor, I'm so sorry I forgot your name. Ali. Thank you. I answer um, to anything, though. It's all right. <laughs> um, my question is, do you think that you had to kind of take on any traditional masculine traits and roles to get where you are in your job today? I don't. I think it's just about being authentic. Um, and maybe... I don't know whether that is to say that when I'm working in a council kind of environment that I adopt that. I don't think I do. I'm, I think I'm just as opinionated <laughs> wherever I am. Um, so, no, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't think I've had to do that. But it's this um, being brave, being courageous. It's not feeling that... It's actually feeling that I have an opinion and I'm going to say it whatever when you're in a room where there are more men than women, maybe it's, um, you know, you internalise that thinking, can I say it? I know I've got something to say, but can I say it? And, you know, just go beyond that and just say it anyway, because, you know... But I don't think I have to be masculine. I think you just have to be authentic. Yeah, I don't don't think I've taken any any particular masculine traits. Um, I grew up depending on um, the year of my life that I talk about, depending on how many brothers that I had around me. But um, as, as the only girl, I've, I've always been used to being the only girl in the family anyway and the only woman in a room quite often. Yeah. Um, and I, I, was ne- I've, I wasn't particularly loud at school. I definitely wasn't, you know, the highest achieving. But I, I've always had a bit of determination about me um, and I don't think that's come from any kind of gender-specific way. But I have had to find my voice and, and, and own that and think what I've got to say is just as important as anybody else. That, that's probably the only thing that I've done, but I don't think that's been related to gender. If I walk in a room and I'm the only woman, I already stand out, so I might as well say something, aren't I? <laughs> and to be honest with you, you know, I'm going to make it count because the people that are going to come next need to have an easier path. I don't think I'd know how to be mass. Do you know what I mean? Which, mass- which male do you choose to be? Just, just like, this, you know, just be yourself. Like, I think that I you need to know, know that there's been such a movement in w- more women becoming senior in yeah. roles in organisations because women bring a different dynamic yeah. to an organisation, to a team, and to a way that they actually run, you know, sort of like, you know, people. We're very people-orientated. So women have found their own place now. They don't have to be masculine. Yeah. They bring their own values and their own skills. Yeah.